0: Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome to our spoiler-free review for the Netflix film, Rebel Moon, Part 1, A Child of Fire. Who among you is willing to die for what you believe in? i'm j-law but you can call me justin and if you're joining us for the first time well we are geek centric a podcast covering the world of movies tv shows toys collectibles gaming and all things geek centric joining me for today's spoiler free review he's a rebel in his own right mr nate shelton how are you sir rebellions are built on hope no, wrong movie, Justin. Wrong,
1: wrong. wrong what movie. are you yeah. sure? Huh, <laughs> oh, could have fooled well, me,
0: could have fooled a lot of people because there is definitely some Star Wars isms in this one. Uh, so before we begin our conversation, you know, this is a Zack Snyder film, he is a visionary filmmaker who, who knows how to do the thing and, and make the movies uh, in, in a stylistic way way. Um, I wanted to ask you before we, we go any further, what's one of your favorite Zack Snyder films?
1: I mean, uh, you know, shout out to Sucker Punch. Um, I, I think a lot of people t- don't take that movie. I think I don't think that's his worst movie, um, but I think it is, though it, it's by it critics, is the lowest. It's the lowest for n- well, score. <laughs> as of yet uh, as of yet. But no, I, I think I would have to go with the solid uh, 300. Um, I think for me is, is, is the one to go for. I think, you know, sort of taking everything that, uh, that Miller did with, with that story and adapting it into just such a, just such an, an epic movie that has moments that, you know, live in my mind, I think is really, is, is, is fantastic. And I think it was kind of the, the first time that at least for myself that I had seen, uh, gore on that level, um, and, and sort of, uh, done in a way that still felt like it was, uh, in service to the story and not just gore as a gore fest. Um, and so, yeah, I think that was probably just stylistically, visually, it's the one that I always go back to. And I think that's probably my favorite Zack Snyder movie.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's one of my favorites for sure. Uh, I think Zack Snyder's films from his beginnings, like Dawn of the Dead. Uh, uh three hundred and The Watchmen are some of my favorites. You know, Dawn of the Dead was sort of his, I guess, his directorial debut, if you will. Zombie movies, mm-hmm. and he reinvigorated the zombie franchise with his with his movie, which was a George Romero remake. Uh, it was absolutely fantastic. You know, three hundred again, s- showing Snyder's visual chops and and what he was able to translate from Frank Miller's uh, gorgeous graphic novel into live action and, and and actually adopting a lot of the same visuals the high contrast the sort of black and white shadows the very um it almost felt also inspired by what was successfully done from sin city so it still seemed mm. to f- live in that same family um Watchmen, i think is sort of the uh the realization of his of his style um and then i think after that it, you know it goes style over substance and i feel like the style's always there but the stories they're not really there they're not not fully fleshed <laughs> out uh, even there's some people that have had issues with watchmen and and how it was handled and how that story mm-hmm. handled but uh, for the most part, I really enjoyed that um but I, I don't know I wasn't a huge fan of his work in the Snyder verse again, stylistically, what he was able to bring visually, I appreciated, but narratively, I think that those movies were 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 a little. Uh, fumbly but yeah I, I would say I, I think Watchmen is kind of like the peak for for me in terms of, of that marriage of storytelling and and, and you know stylistic uh, filmmaking if you will um, yeah
1: but yeah also shout out to uh, Legend of the Guardians the Owls of Gahool
0: yeah it's it's like... almost like a kid's movie um, <laughs> have you seen it
1: no have you <laughs>
0: Uh, no, I haven't seen. That's the only one I haven't seen. I actually might watch okay, that one. Okay, we should watch that it. one. Yeah, I think, I think it actually looks pretty good. I think it's more of a kids movie, but I, I also saw some clips from it that, again, he's able to bring his Snyder style to it you know like the slow world of animation the real like close-ups of of things happening and the way action is sort of uh blocked in his his movies there seems to be a a real focus on that but it does i haven't i honestly i hadn't heard of it until i did a deep dive into his filmography and i was like damn that's the only movie i i haven't seen in this in this uh i saw a movie that he made on an iphone which was a short film and that was incredibly stunning and it was shot on an iphone so you know when we're talking about Zack snyder we know we're getting good stylistic filmmaking, competent, yeah. strong, visually stunning filmmaking. But I digress because we're going to talk about this movie and we're going to talk about that marriage of filmmaking and storytelling. Uh, let, let's get into introducing this movie. There's actually two synopsises. I got a franchise synopsis uh, okay. and then an a actual movie synopsis so let me start off with the franchise synopsis for rebel moon from zack snyder the filmmaker behind 300 man of steel and army of dead comes rebel moon an epic science fantasy event decades in the making when a peaceful settlement on a moon in the furthest reaches of the universe find itself threatened by the armies of tyrannical regent balisarius cora a mysterious stranger living among the villagers Becomes their best hope for survival, tasked with finding trained fighters who will unite with her in making an impossible stand against the mother world, Korra assembles a small band of warriors, outsiders, insurgents, peasants, orphans of war from different worlds who share a common need for redemption and revenge as the shadow of the entire realm bears down on the unlikeliest of moons. A new army of heroes is formed. Whoa. Right? <sighs> yeah. That's that's okay. just the franchise synopsis. Now okay, what's the movie point? <laughs> now, okay. Here is the synopsis for the movie <laughs> that we are reviewing called Rebel Moon Part One: A Child of Fire. Okay. After crash landing on a moon in the furthest reaches of the universe, Korra, a stranger with a mysterious past, begins a new life among a peaceful settlement of farmers. But she soon becomes their only hope for survival when the tyrannical Regent Balasaris and his cruel emercy, Admiral Noble, discover the farmers have unwittingly sold their crops to the Blood Axes leaders of the fierce group of insurgents hunted by the mother world, tasked with finding fighters who would risk their lives to defend the people of Veld. Korra and Gunner, a tender-hearted farmer, naive in realities of war, journey to different worlds in search of the blood axes and assemble a small band of warriors who share a common need for redemption along the way. Kai, a pilot and a gun for hire. General Titus, a legendary commander. Nemesis, a master swordswoman. Tarek, a captive with a regal pass. And Milus... A resistance fighter, back on Veld, Jimmy, an ancient mechanized protector hiding in the wings, awakens with a new purpose. But the newly formed revolutionaries must learn to trust one another and fight as one before the armies of the Mother World come to destroy them all. Holy hell! This Justin, is you know
1: when you know when you like. When somebody sits down and everyone's at the table and they're all like, "We're gonna play a new board game," <laughs> and they pull the <laughs> rules out, <laughs> I just reading. went through two sets of rules. <laughs> I'm <telling> bro, you. <laughs> bro, I gotta go home. I, my time's up here. That's it. Holy! It's now this lot. movie.
0: Now this movie stars uh, Sophia Boutella, Jaimin Ansu, Ed Skrine, Michael Hussman, Duna Bay, Ray Fisher, and Charlie Hunnam, along with Anthony Hopkins, Nair, Cleopatra Coleman, E. Duffy. And Fra Fee, Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire, will debut on Netflix December 21st. So tonight at 7 p.m. Pacific Time and 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So you'll be able to enjoy that tonight. A huge thanks to our friends at Netflix and Netflix Canada for inviting us out to the L.A. premiere and to see this movie on the big screen because we did get to see it in theaters. So that is the basis of our review for today. Uh, So let's get into sharing our thoughts about Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire. Uh, I got some pillars like I always do. Right, we're going to start by talking pillars, about, dude. dude. I love my pillars. It gives us focus. So, like, I got, I got performances down. I got visual effects, and then I got story. Now, as we usually do, we will talk about what works and what didn't work uh, for both. Uh, I am going to kick things off really quick here and talk about the performances. Uh, I think the performances in this were top notch. Uh, you know, I think the cast delivers compelling portrayals that left me. With a lasting impression. However, this is where we get into that doesn't work. Uh, the film, that was quick, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The film. The problem is in its inability to afford adequate screen time for mm-hmm. these characters, preventing me as an audience member or anyone to fully grasp motives and intention for each of these characters. Uh, you know, Cora, played by Sophia, is very much on a mission. And she's rounding up these different warriors, as, as the synopsis said, and, and different from different walks of life that have been, you know, hurt by by the mother world. But we don't really get the sense of understanding how and why. Um, so like the, this, you know, the, the performances were really great. But what I feel like is is that the narrative rushes to set the stage so hard for 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 future stories and potentially. Well, we know that there is a a r rated or snyder cut version that's in the shadows, and so character development feels like it sort of takes a back seat um but it becomes apparent that the, that that each of these characters there's such depth to them that we just don't know they know something that we don't know, and unfortunately, this movie doesn't really elaborate on it. There are some characters that really aren't given the time and focus that they should given maybe their importance in this movie overall um i don't want to get into spoilers obviously because we're staying spoiler free but there is one specific character that there's a bit of a twist and i'm just kind of like i wish we had set that up a little bit more we could have seen that sort of unravel so we could sit with it a little bit more or or it would it would impact us it by the time it ends up happening it was just kind of like oh (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I think you can very much see where the emphasis lies in terms of what Zach as a storyteller has uh for this movie in terms of his focus and also by the way the the cast is, you know, styled and 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 even how they perform uh for for what opportunities they do get to perform. I think um, you know, Sophia is sweaty the entire movie, right? You, you can see <laughs> her her hyper-focus uh, on her performance through her physicality. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, the, the solid two months of training that they went through um, really shows in the movie. And I think in the way she carries herself and the way that sort of she she focuses the character of Korra, um, and I, especially in the action sequences. Um, I think for me, honestly... I, I I like all the players in this cast. I, I yeah. really enjoyed them. I, I loved uh you know Jaimon Anzu uh, I think is fantastic. Um I love Anthony Hopkins, um, who's in this movie, <laughs> believe it or not. Um and and you know, I think again, there's there's so many elements here that I really enjoy, but like you said, we don't really get the time to spend with them. I think uh Cora and um uh Noble, uh Ed Skrine's character are probably the two that we do get the most out of. And, you know, they're diametrically opposed, but you know, you can they, they definitely serve their roles uh, well in well, the film yeah. I think I think Ed is a great villain actor yeah, like, I do think so he's a fantastic good. villainous guy I, I yeah. hated him I wanted yeah. to to hate him and I did and I think they at least achieved that you you know you see you can see that he's a bad guy right from the moment he he walks off to the off of the, the ship on the uh, farming planet at the beginning of the movie like you, you know you can you you instantly know what this guy is about and that stays true throughout the entirety of the movie. I, I can't quite say that there's um a massive amount of like growth for his character, but but but, s- but what he delivers, he delivers, if that makes right. sense.
0: <laughs> Look, for sure. And and that's exactly it. This cast does deliver with what they're given for part one, right? right. And and I think that to your point, you know, Sophia absolutely fantastic. She is a hero you want to root for. She is so badass, and she really does lean into uh, the, the action pieces. So like with, with her whole heart and her mm-hmm. whole body in a lot of ways. Right. Um, and yeah, Ed is the perfect villain. He is, he, you, you, love to hate him. And even there's this really great scene, uh, as you said, like our first introduction with him, with Corey Stahl, uh, and, and that is such a great, uh, scene where we get to understand Noble's motives and, and how he works. And, and it was just so telling. So I mm-hmm. thought that was a really, really great moment. And like you said, like, Jaiman was fantastic. He's great in everything he does. I love Staz, uh, who plays mm-hmm. Tarek. He was, he was so great. Again, another character I want to see. Charlie Hunnam was good. I, I thought he was great. Um, you know, again, more exploration with his character would have been fantastic as, as Kai. Um, And, you know, we we had uh, Nemesis, uh, the swordswoman, uh, who was, like, so badass. And again, just another character that was sort of cool but we don't explore. So again, I, I know we're talking about a part one, but this this movie, and, and as we go through, I think we're going to kind of come back to it. It's hindered by this part one mentality and potentially even this mentality of, of a R-rated Snyder cut that is in the shadows. To, to have another cut that apparently is an hour long, yeah, th- that, is this where we're going to get more of that story growth? And is that where we're going to start to say, oh, okay, this, this, this is actually enjoyable?
1: it brings up the argument of like, well, why didn't we just watch that movie? But, um but I 100%. think going back to this movie <laughs> that yeah. we did watch, um, I do think the, the, the action sequences and more specifically the combat scenes are the standout positive for me, as far as from a performance standpoint as well. I think uh, Sophia um, and I think Duna uh did a phenomenal job and their respective stunt teams did a, an amazing job delivering those moments. And I think, those are the moments that definitely had me saying, you know, like, Oh, that's actually, that's really cool. Like that, that was a cool moment. But like you were saying, Justin, like this movie's two hours and 13 minutes long. And I I can't say that that was the majority of my experience. Unfortunately. Um, I think, you know, again, like we're talking like this cast just doesn't get a chance to shine. And there, there could have been so much more done to make us love their characters. And that's not on their performance, but it's on the writing. And, You know, it just kind of got me asking myself, like, as I was watching the movie, because I knew going in that he was trying to go for the seven samurai aspect. But it's like, at a certain point, I'm like, why are there so many of them, you know, back to back to back to back? We don't need a a team this big that we need to to follow. You could have spent more time fleshing out a smaller group of maybe three, maybe four characters. But the fact that we had to have like six or seven, uh, I just, I never got to get to know really any of them I didn't really care about any of them uh, and the majority of the story is told through exposition not even from the characters themselves but through you know there's there's again without spoiling anything but there is a moment where a single character just delivers the backstory of each character back to back and it felt silly and it felt cheap and it just it, it, it's the movie is just too overstuffed in that in that sense yeah. And it it definitely does a disservice to this otherwise excellent cast.
0: Exactly. This story doesn't allow this cast to really shine. But again, there's part 2 and part 3 and wh- who knows what what that's going to look like, but this should really set that tone. Like we talk about a part 1 really establishing, you know, motives and intent not just for characters but for what future stories are going to bring. I don't know if that necessarily th- that this really came off. And I also just want to point out like there's a part in the synopsis for the actual movie that I read, where uh, it, it references, you know, Jimmy, uh, voiced by Anthony Hopkins, an ancient mechanized protector hiding in the wings, awakens with a new purpose. We didn't see that. What was that? What was that? Like, when did that, that happen? So, to me, that is something that I've just read that I believe is in whatever extended cut we will get 100% our yeah. extra footage. So, you yeah. know, the, the R rated version you know if that's the version that snyder put all of his you know his marbles into then i want to see that one like that's the Mm -hmm. one i want to be talking about right now like you know let's go because i want to see what how 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 crazy he gets and how weird he gets because he's in, in interviews he's been talking about it um you know apart from from the the acting Let's talk about the visual effects. You already kind of touched on one aspect and that is the choreography, then the fighting. I would mm-hmm. I'd also see that as a as a bit of a visual effects in terms of the way the camera work moves through these fight scenes. Again, this is where Snyder shines. Yeah you know there's a lot of Snyderisms there's there's the slow-mo there's the the epic moments there's the shallow depth of field the the
1: light bleed everywhere or
0: the lens flares are are crazy and that's 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 more that's more of like a sci-fi thing that he just he is just you know Going crazy with it's almost like JJ Abrams on the first Star Trek movie, he just went yeah. nuts with lens flares. Um, but it also has a lot to do with the lenses that he's using. Like he mm. is shooting digital, this is the second film shooting digital. Uh, he's using anamorphic lenses that yield uh, more of a, that lens flare and that aesthetic. Um, so it's giving it a, a, a more cinematic scope. And I think, again, this is where. There's some positives. The positives are very high. Um, the only thing is that I would say is a negative is some CGI kind of took me out. Like there were mm. some CGI moments that felt very um, unfinished or unpolished, uh, and they were just kind of thrown in uh, for the sake of it. Um, so I was a, I was a little taken back by by some of that. I was actually surprised in some instances. But if we're talking about a visual filmmaker with the strength of Zack Snyder, this is where he shines is, is in, is in the visuals.
1: Yeah. I think the, the, some of those um, special effects that you're referring to, um, th- there were some moments that reminded me of uh, cut scenes that I would see on like a random sci-fi first person shooter on Xbox 360, like, <laughs> and, and like not in a good way, right? Like in a way that it, it did take me out. There are definitely moments of again, huge action or, big epic slow-mo that we get that are the Snyder signature work. But the only thing I'll say is like the, the first few times that there was like the slow-mo and like the crazy lighting and everything, I was like kind of delighted by it. And I'm like, Oh cool. Like it gave me a bit of a, almost a nostalgic feeling for some of his previous work. And then like just throughout the movie, it just started getting really annoying to be honest with you. There were just so many moments that just sort of took me out of the moment and, and just, again, massive shots are great on a big movie theater s- screen, but I-, I just, I never found that there was anything that sort of, um, stuck with me. Um, and I, I also want to bring that over to the, uh, the visuals in terms of creature design and character design. Um, yes. I think maybe like there was maybe one alien that I was like, that actually looks really cool, which was, there's this alien that, um, puppets a human being and i thought that was kind of an original Mm -hmm. cool idea like i'm like that's that's really neat um but but honestly every every alien or animal just kept reminding me of other universes that i would prefer to be in like there's essentially a hippogriff in the movie um there's a a well-designed but unoriginal alien guy that looks like he's from halo uh and then there's straight up Urukai from Lord of the Rings. Like there are legitimately Urukai in this movie. Why? Wh- what are they doing there? How'd they get there? Why? Are, <laughs> why are there Urukai in this movie? Like I kept expecting like Saruman to show up or something. Like, like I just I I don't know. I think you know the idea of adapting or paying homage is one thing but you have to have a, a creative and more original story to distract me from the fact that I'm constantly being reminded of a property that I'd rather be watching. Right. right. And, and there, you know, there's a cantina scene where we meet Charlie Hunnam's character, who's pretty much Han Solo. <laughs> like he's a yeah. pilot that helps them get off the well, planet. And I get yeah. that. Like I get, I trust me, huge Star Wars fan. I love the idea that we have Star Wars fans making movies that, that pay homage to Star Wars, but, this but, feels but cheap. you got to do more. Yeah, yeah. you got to do it, more. It, this it, is
0: well, what I'm getting. What yeah. I'm getting from you is that it, it feels cheap, and it feels like it's just an obvious sort of like lackadaisical sort of half-assed effort to to try to you know again pay homage, but just not really doing much in terms of that. Um, it you know I grow think it. it. Is, I, I, I do think that it should be made aware that this. Well, from rumors, I don't think there's any real confirmation, but this was pitched to Lucasfilm. Uh, prior to the Disney acquisition, uh, Zack Snyder did take this idea of doing a Star Wars movie on this scale. And I mm-hmm. think you can see a lot of the pieces of, of in this movie where, you know, the Empire would fit in and, and how, you know, their story would unfold. And, you know, Koran this is like an, an
1: alternate universe uh, Force Awakens.
0: Exactly. And, yeah. you know, even just the sentiments of Rebel Moon uh, is is just, uh, you know, it it's it it speaks star Wars in, in a lot of ways. Sure. Um, you know, like I, I don't disagree with you, but I, I think that that was a, the least of my concerns was how <laughs> obvious and how straightforward his uh, adaptations from other source material. Like you brought up, you know, the seven samurai, which he sourced as, as a, as an inspiration, you know, star yeah. Wars, as you sourced, you know, th- this, this film does feel like a mixed bag of a bunch of other sci-fi fantasy movies that, for better or worse, it did it better than what, what what's being done here. That right. said, the lore and the, the sort of quality of the story, the design of certain things, you know, it is hard in this day and age to pull off something that that can holistically be original without audiences connecting with it and saying oh this reminds me of this this reminds me of that sure. even if it is there literally because Snyder was like oh yeah I want to throw that in there or because it's just a coincidence I think we live in a, an age where you know films remix upon each other they adopt things that they like they pay homage but to your point it's the taste and class in which it's done and if it feels cheap and it feels like it's just for the sake of of doing it, then it kind of takes away from the whole idea of, you know, paying homage. It just feels like a, a sort of a way to say, "Hey, remember this? We're going to throw that in there and and kind of keep you hooked because we got we got some of that as well as that Star Wars has, or and that's Guardians fine. of the Galaxy. If
1: or there's something. if there is a if there's a good enough story mm-hmm. that feels separate enough from what I've experienced before, then I can be distracted from mm-hmm. the fact that there's straight up Urakai in the movie. <laughs> you know what yeah. I
0: mean? yeah absolutely and and I think with that sentiment, let's get to our final pillar, and that is story um as we've been talking about kind of throughout you know this this story feels very stinted or overstuffed because of that part one element that is attached to it, and the way we we very rapidly move through moments and scenes we don't really get to. To live with any of them right like we're mm-hmm. we're meant to understand characters motives and you know what's driving them yet we don't really get to feel that it, it sort of comes off hollow and very surface um which i think is such a such a huge detriment to what snyder's trying to do with this this franchise and and as mm-hmm. a first movie i don't know if it's the best the best way to kick things off, if you will, uh, you know, apart from the visuals and, and you know, establishing some great performances from characters. It's just, it feels very light for a part yeah. one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I mentioned at the beginning, I said rebellions are built on hope and I I hoped this movie would be great when we saw the trailers. The trailers mm-hmm. are great. I'll be honest oh, with yeah. you. I was like, that trailer looked awesome. I wanted this movie to be great. I think the idea of someone taking on the classic john campbell hero's journey and the tropes and ideas from legendary japanese cinema um while giving us heroes and space battles and talking new star wars? and new planets it sounds like star <laughs> wars right but the idea that we could get something like that that wasn't lucasfilm that wasn't disney and could go mature and could and go edgier and could go yeah. edgy right could go yeah. 300 with it give sounds, me that r-rated
0: snyder cut dude, version right
1: it sounds awesome and and I was really intrigued to see what Zack Snyder would deliver, but I'm so bummed with what we got. I think again, the majority of the movie, like we were saying, it's, it's let's get the gang together to fight the big bad empire. Um, and that's not a movie. That's a section of a sci-fi movie. Exactly. <laughs> you know yes. what I mean? That's yeah, not a exactly. whole movie. This is, so, and that's a great way to look and, at and it. And that's, yeah. that might be what this is, right? That might be a section of his overall vision for what the movie really will be when the extended cut is done. And I, I don't know if it's like a, a marketing thing at this point with the idea of like, oh, the Snyder cut is always better than the, the original, right? Well, with he, with he... Justice League and what have you. But I just yeah. think like, I don't know. I just, there was, they moved from moment to moment and I never really understood why these characters wanted to help them, why who any of these characters really were. And then to get like sort of just a scene where a character is just spouting off exposition one after the other, it just, again, it just was it rubbed me the wrong way and I, I just wasn't having fun. It's And that's it's, ridiculous for a yeah. sci-fi epic movie of this scale. Like I should be at least be having
0: fun with it for sure. And I, I think that this movie is very style first story, second yeah, or third in, in many cases, I guess, sure. you know what I mean? Um, I think that, that, and again, it's, it's a, dis- it's a disservice to the performances that we get from, from the fantastic cast that just don't really get that time to shine. Um, but to your point, it, it you know this this idea of an alternative cut. You know there was a conversation in and around the extended cut versus what was being showcased in, uh, on Netflix, and he, he definitely refers to it as more of the R-rated cut with an hour of extra footage, which is nuts. Do you know what I mean? Like that's that's you might as well just call that your Snyder cut. Um, but you know the fact that there's an hour of additional footage in this additional cut for part one an r-rated version like again like you said that's the version of this movie that i want to see that's going to really push up against what's being done right the the whole concept of what this movie is 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 adopting from the seven samurai from the star wars esque to the guardians-esque sort of vibes to you know just this idea of like a hero's journey you know, give me that R-rated version, give me that intense version. I think that's the version that, th- that this movie deserves. That that would work better, I think, for the audience. But that said, I, I understand Netflix has a, a audience and they've sort of built this into, and I, b- I believe he talked about this, is that Netflix sort of built that into the agreement of doing these movies, is that there would be an alternative cut. Maybe because so it's a marketing Snyder. thing for sure. It, it, it's probably is a marketing thing, but it, it I guess it also has a lot to do with how well the Snyder Cut of Justice League did yeah, in relation exactly. to to that. But that's a four hour movie, right? Like, mm-hmm. are we just going to get a movie at the end of this that's just going to be called Rebel Moon, and it's just all three parts smashed together? You know, I I don't are think they doing so. three parts or two parts? I'm pretty sure it's a three part story. Whoa. Um, but this is where I'm kind of confused and I I didn't actually ask for clarification and while I was in LA and talking to people, but I was under the impression at first that this part one and part two that we're getting is actually part one together of a three-part story. Okay. Um, But I I don't know. I don't know if that's, that's the case. Um, Right. But if anyone does know, please let us know, uh, throw you the tags and how you can reach out to us at the end but that that to me in itself just just the sort of uncertainty of how this franchise is structured makes me a little uneasy about where we're going and what direction we're going in
1: yeah and and i just one more thing in regards to the story of this film um
0: oh geez you beat it with a stick already listen dude (laughs) i need (laughs) to
1: mention one more thing though and it's there's no humor in the movie like you want me to connect with, you know, our troubled past farmer protagonist, then just give, give them something. I, or or give us a character that, that can have a little bit of jokes. I think they tried, they attempted it with Charlie Hunnam's character, I, I think maybe in one scene or the other. I don't know, it was kind of blurring together for me. But...
0: There's a lot of scenes with him that I am anticipating are going to be in that extended cut because he right. was extremely light in this movie. And it's just like, I get
1: that you're the world is threatened by a bunch of space Nazis and that's bad, but like just there's so much self seriousness in this movie that it just started to kind of, again, it it goes from sort of being like intense to almost being uh, tiring to a certain degree where you're seeing these characters trudging from one planet to the next, collecting these heroes and hearing just how horrible and terrible everything is uh, for everyone, but not really seeing that. Uh, And it's all explained in like five minutes of dialogue for each character. It's just, again, I, I, I don't understand why we had to have so many of them. They're cool to look at, but there's just... We, not much there to get behind them. and We had I, so many.
0: Yeah, for sure. But I think we had so many of them so that all the legwork was done in part one. And number two, it, as he's described, I believe in uh, this might have been with Brandon Davis, Is if the first one is about getting the band together, the second one is full on war is what he says. So, okay. You know, if they're not getting attention.
1: to know who they actually are.
0: <laughs> well, there we'll see. The thing is, is that like there's a, a mixture of footage that's been seen in trailers and things that he has photographed and shown on, on his Twitter and are on -hmm. social um that show that there is going to be a bit of a a dive into the these characters in their history but i would have appreciated that up front rather Mm -hmm. than figuring it out along the way because i feel like that's going to get exposition heavy i do feel like there's going to be a little bit of a watchman sort of vibe to how we move around and we learn about these stories of of these characters and we move through time i think what we got here uh didn't necessarily work for for us entirely there's aspects of it there's there's good bones and and good potential but how it will land is is really on the basis of a part two and a part three part many parts one and a half with the there's an animated series apparently there's there's a lot of stuff to to kind of explore he is fleshing this out to be a franchise so you know what like
1: this industry is not patient like it's not patient you know what i mean like you're you can't just put this out and be like, "Just wait, I promise it'll get better." <laughs> like for
0: sure, I, I definitely people agree, don't get invested like, in that. But then again, it's like, why put out? Again, we as we keep coming back to, like, why yeah. do we have this cut, and then in two months maybe we're going to have a extended Snyder cut. Well, that's we'll R-rated. revisit it then.
1: See if it gets. Well, the I'd be floor. happy
0: to if you if you'd be down. I would yeah, love I'm to down. revisit it because hopefully our sentiments will change. Well, look, you know, I think we've we've finished part one. Uh, of our, let's, let's, of, of We're gonna our conversation. We're going to put out an extended cut of this. It's going to be four <laughs> hours long. It's going to be way better. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, well, with that said, let's get into our final thoughts and our score, which will be out of one to five, Benu, which is a mythical creature similar to a griffin that is featured in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nate, you're my only co-host today I
1: thought you were gonna say my only hope
0: <laughs> Nate you are my only hope why don't you give me a why don't you why don't you kick things off with your final thoughts and score
1: I really wanted to like this movie as I said I think you know we're talking about it the bones for a fresh take on these ideas and these themes that have been set by our beloved galaxy far far away they're all there the cast I think again is a great cast but like if you walk away, sort of like being like, I don't get what's so great about them. It's like, well, watch them in other movies, and you'll understand because we just don't get enough of them here. Um, I just, when we're spending the majority of the movie, you know, sort of frustrated by the lack of character depth uh, and a story that just feels like so many that I've already heard. Unfortunately, the the flashy visuals and the signature Snyder slow motion and and even the badass action sequences, which again. If you just want to watch a super cut of those action sequences, they're great. They're awesome. Um, but they're not enough to keep me engaged in this story and in this world. Uh, and I think it's going to be interesting to see what the director's cut will be. As we said, I, I I hope it, I hope it can make up for the, the huge lack of depth in this version of the story. Um, but for now, I'm, I'm sad to say I'm giving rebel moon part one, uh, a child of fire, two out of five hippogriffs. Uh, I mean, Ben news or whatever.
0: <laughs> awesome! Awesome! Yeah. Well, not awesome, but uh, yeah. you know, I'm I'm with you. I think um, you know Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon is is a visual feast. It it, it does have that signature Snyderism visual style. Uh, whether you love it or, or hate it. Uh, it, it it has all the stylistic choices you you've come to associate with. The director, the film, however, bites off a lot more than it can chew uh, in its ambitious first installment. And while it's undeniably a massive achievement in terms of crafting a a wholly original world, it's not a wholly original story, as you as you mentioned. Uh, you know, there is a lot of interesting mythical lore. Uh, but the, the film's eagerness to set up future narrative is a detriment to this movie in, in a lot of ways. You know, like you said, the performances are great, but we just don't get to spend enough time with these characters. Uh, the, the bones, the structure is there uh, from the stories we know and love of Star Wars, but let's go edgy. Let's go dark. Let's go gory. You know, Let's uh, make it more adult and break the rules that probably Star Wars wouldn't allow Zack Snyder to break. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, they they would have held him back. But like we were saying, the narrative feels overstuffed, juggling numerous plot lines that dilute the overall experience. I think Snyder's spectacle does shine through, but the weak storytelling detracts from the film's potential of, of being a great part one. And despite these shortcomings, Rebel Moon, it's far from Snyder's worst work, But it's definitely not his best work. I think the film is is definitely hindered on by that part one, but also by the potential of an alternate cut uh, that promises to have more story to tell. Uh, You know, that very much takes away from the viewing experience, um, as you can tell that there's things that are obviously not included in this that could have helped to elaborate uh, on elements for the story um, and and I think that he's a visionary filmmaker who knows how to make movies like a James Cameron, like a Michael Bay. But like those directors as well, their style is is more important than the actual substance. Their stories always suffer. It's, it's sort of this thing where you appreciate them for their technical capabilities, but you understand when you're going into their movies, you're not going to get... The best story. Uh, so as it stands, I think Rebel Moon part one is a testament to Snyder's ability to create visually stunning worlds. But yet this film does fall short of being an epic part one with the, the idea of a an alternative cut and a part two out there that hinders on this experience. So I'm going to be giving this film a 2.5 out of 5 Bennu because it's only half of a movie and it's half the score that's half the score there you go i admire snyder i've enjoyed his work yeah he's inconsistent but there's one thing that's certain about him as a filmmaker he is a visionary which is why i will always show up for Zack snyder films even if they are leaving me wanting more um so yeah 2.5 out of five well, that is it for our spoiler-free review for Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire. Uh, again, a huge thanks to our friends at Netflix, uh, A, for bringing me out to L.A. to see this movie. Absolutely. And sending you to in Toronto here, Nate, to see it in theater. Uh, it was great to actually see this movie in theater so we could get that full scale and scope of Snyder's vision. But hey, if you want to let us know what you think of the movie once it drops on Netflix tonight... Or if you get a chance to see it in theaters, feel free to reach out to us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us on Instagram at wearegeekcentric or on Twitter, or formerly Twitter, now known as X, but uh, at geekcentricyt. Uh, Keep in mind, uh, as we've mentioned, there are some interviews that are out right now. Uh, I was lucky enough, as I mentioned, to go to LA to see this movie in the hot... sorry in the Chinese theater as the part of the Hollywood premiere went to the after party uh and then the next day I got to sit and talk with uh the cast and director Zack Snyder about this movie uh and in those interviews we do stick on we and in those interviews I really focus on each of these actors finding their character and how they connected with it because again as we mentioned they were sort of the highlight even though the story didn't did a disservice to them. They were the highlight. They are the reason why I'd probably come back and want to see more of this story to see uh, what's next. Um, And I also had a chance, like I said, to talk to Zack Snyder, ask him some questions about his influences from past work, and also uh, taking on so many roles. Because as I mentioned, he's writer, producer, director, and cinematographer for Rebel Moon. Uh so those are available on youtube.com/geekcentric they're also available as a massive supercut on all podcast feeds there Nate and I kind of chat a little bit more about that experience in LA what it was like given that was the first time any of us from geekcentric have been invited to a Hollywood premiere so that was really really great um but we also have a ton of other episodes out now for you to enjoy including including our special Behind the Geeks episode with the cast of Percy Jackson, also available on youtube.com slash geekcentric. Uh, We also have our spoiler-free reviews for uh, A24 and Elevation Pictures' The Iron Claw, uh, Netflix's Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget, uh, Netflix's film Leave the World Behind. Uh, We also have a uh, spoiler-free review for The Boy and the Heron, and for Netflix's animated series, scott pilgrim takes off uh this is it for us i think uh there is maybe one other thing but we're like really close to the deadline here um we we might have some what if season two stuff what if we did what if we did or what if we didn't we're still waiting on (laughs) on what that looks like uh but this has been if this is our last review uh a huge thanks to everyone who's joined us this year, who's continued to stay with us. Uh, we are so grateful uh, because of the, the opportunity that we got to go to do this premiere it has a lot to do with listeners like you tuning in, joining us uh, and listening to our thoughts and us rant and ramble about the things we love, uh, whether it be movie reviews or if we're fortunate enough to sit with other people and chat with them about what they do, we are grateful for everyone who's been with us, uh, and we can't wait for 2024. Uh, We're hoping we can amp things up, whatever that might look like. Stay tuned, we will see. But from us to you, happy holidays. We wish you the best. Nate, thank you for joining me for this spoiler-free review. And as we say. Love ya. Peace.